What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you can even bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. Or if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year to do it. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate this offer. Again, they will double your first deposit with promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. What it do, Hardwood Knox babies? I am Dan Favalli. Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. I am joined by one of my super duper, I'm just going to end it there, co-host Mo Dakiel. We do not have Andy with us this time. Fear not, however, because we press on as always when there are just two of us. Lots of stuff to talk about today now that we're fewer than 50 days away from the NBA regular season. But before we get started, I just want to continue reminding, imploring, begging, pleading with everyone, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes if you have not already done so. Five-star ratings only if you forever want to be in Moe's heart. Leave us a review for sure. We're always reading those. Any feedback you have, we're we're checking them out, so don't, don't worry. If you have not subscribed, definitely do that. And if you have done all those things, please throw us a shout out on Twitter, maybe some recommendations. To friends, families, frenemies, acquaintances, randos on the street. They are all very much appreciated. Follow Hardwood Knox on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. You can follow Mo on Twitter at Mo Dakiel underscore MBA. That's at M O D A K H I L underscore MBA. I'm at Dan Favalli, F A V A L E. You can follow Andy on Twitter as well at Andrew D. Bailey. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, make sure you're following Blue Wire on Twitter, checking out all the great content we're pumping out over there, in addition to all the other podcasts we have. So many great ones at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. Again, that's at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. Mo, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I I want more five star reviews, though. My heart is feeling a little empty, people. So let's get on top of that. Uh, but I'm doing great, man. Are you doing better now that I pointed out to you that the Bad Boys 3 trailer dropped? Yeah, I mean, you know, I totally missed it. Uh, for those listening, I literally made uh, I made Dan list, wait on the line while I was like, oh, hold on. And then I went and watched the trailer for a few minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just, 
maybe the trailer, maybe it's because it's still pretty early here in LA. I just it didn't get me as pumped as I thought it would. That's upsetting because I, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Will Smith looks like he did in Bad Boys too because he just doesn't. He ages in reverse. Him and Paul Rudd, apparently. I think it looks semi funny. Look, I'm just here for it. They're pumping out all these sequels decades later to things or these remakes. This is something that I can get on board with. No, no, I'm all the way in. Like I've, they've already got my ticket. Um, it's just a matter of like we'll see how it goes. But I, I'm not as pumped as I normally have been. Like when Bad Boys Two was coming out, I was. Oh man, oh man, I was in. Um, this time I'm just not. It, it, the trailer didn't hit me the way I hoped it would have. Well, that breaks my heart a little bit, but I'll, I'll press on anyway, I suppose. Uh, lots of news to catch up on here. We're going to start with the least pleasant of the bunch since we can't really go into it too in depthly. But uh, Brooklyn Nets sophomore to be Rodion's Kurutz was arrested for allegedly assaulting his then-girlfriend. The report came via the New York Daily News' Trevor Boyer and Graham Raymond. Be sure to check out the the entire article that they wrote that has a lot more detail. Kurutz is 21, and, and he allegedly attacked uh, wh- who was his then-girlfriend on June 27th, just before 8 p.m. In, in his apartment on Bond Street, near First Street. That's per directly from the report. They were in a verbal confrontation that quickly escalated just just an update on it we hate to we hate to talk about these things see these see these things mo and i were just saying beforehand it'll be great when we can do a podcast episode without such an update yeah like come on guys we're we're trying to be the nfl here like this isn't this isn't our lane um this does need to dispel the notion that the i i feel like huge nba guy but people just tend to lionize the the league in sometimes like the wrong ways where yes the nba is the most progressive sports league in in i would say close to the world but definitely of the four major north american ones but there's just still a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes we said this in the last podcast tons of skeletons in in the closets of it yes and so this is obviously hearing about it is important uh it's it's just i that's where i fall on it is that this is sort of I, maybe a little bit of a wake-up call for people who might iconicize the NBA a little too much. Yeah, I mean, these guys are, this isn't a good thing, but these guys are human, and, and unfortunately, this is kind of what goes along with it. We we put these guys on pedestals thinking they're they're perfect, and it's really not the case. Um, they have a lot of the same mental issues and it, all that stuff that, that, that we do, um, in general. So they're, they're not any different than us. And this is a bad example of it, but this is, this is an this example is, of it. <laughs> this is an example of it, I guess. Um, kind of don't know where I was going with, it. I sort of got lost as I was talking. We don't um, really need to go anywhere any more than this. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's move on before I say something really stupid. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, disappointing. I hope his, ex-girlfriend is is okay i hope he gets the help he needs i'm sure he'll get you know the nba will act accordingly um and we'll go from there yes and that's released a statement that they're looking into it and that is the situation as we know it which is why that will be the extent to which we comment on it in happier news i guess for at least one person depending on how you view this eric gordon signed a four-year 76 million dollar extension the fourth year is non-guaranteed. It'll become guaranteed. This is per Woj. If the Rockets win a championship or Eric Gordon makes the all-star team, that's the, 
that's the only example of this I've ever seen. Have you ever seen anything like this when looking at whether a year gets picked up or not? Isn't there something like that in is Horford's contract just a uh, it's just a bump in money? It's not a, a a year or anything like that. I thought he had something like that. Maybe it's not the year, but maybe he just makes more money if that happens. I thought there was something that was tied to it, but let's see. I'm looking at it right now. Al Horford, uh, it's a $109 million contract with 97 guaranteed. So there's just more incentives. Attached more incentives. Okay. Then, yeah, I mean, it's the first time, I, uh, it's the first time I've heard of it. Uh, listeners, you can correct us if we're wrong. Well, you're, uh, you are right, though, because it's uh, he gets an additional – he gets his additional money if Philly makes the finals in 2020, 2021, or 2022. Fully if Philly wins the finals. Those are a lot of different. So it's it's kind of similar. But is it? Yeah. he doesn't have an entire season tied to it, though. Yeah, that's different. I think that's different. And I think if you're Eric Gordon, I think your goal is more, I need to find a way to make this all-star team. Good luck doing that in the, in the West. <laughs> no way. Um, you know, I... Man, it's. I think they're just trying to lock in these guys and and see what happens. I think it's an interesting deal, but I just don't think it moves the needle one way or the other. I don't think they're a championship team. I think maybe this helps them if they want to move Gordon down the road, but he has to be playing well and and keeping those things going. And this is going to be a big year for the, the Rockets with a lot of changes and. I've made it known several times over on this podcast. I'm not very excited about it. So uh, we'll we'll see. I just think it's a very interesting thing. It's something, I guess, the Rockets didn't want hanging over their heads. You know, this does make him maybe even a bit of a trade asset. But at the end of the day, it's just like, eh, okay. It makes yeah, Maybe it makes him a trade asset if they're trading him to a shitty team that has no chance of making the – of winning the championships so that they don't have to worry because the contract is huge. I don't think it's a blatant overpay, but for the rocket situation specifically, everyone's already looking at what year three of that deal could look like, but because of Harden and Westbrook, but those two have player options, who knows where the rockets will be at that point. I'm just, they have in, in year one of his extension. Now they're going to have $115.5 million committed to Russ, James Harden, Capella and Gordon alone. That's your, that's your salary cap. So it's it's just and they brought back Nene too. They're really running it back. It would be hysterical to me if we see like in like a year or two, you know, Daryl Moore gave out all these contracts, locked down the core together, assembled this really uh high payroll team and then and then he just bounces for another gig. <laughs> it wouldn't it, it wouldn't shock me, man. It wouldn't shock me. Uh you know, I think he's in a tough situation with ownership. I think that's challenging for him. I, I honestly, it wouldn't sur- shock me at all if w- within the next year or two, if something opened up that was really interesting to him. You know, he he might jump ship. Uh, it's hard, man. Whenever there's an ownership change, it's it, always kind of got to start watching for how things change in that organization. And it really seems like Fertitta seems to be more hands on without knowing a damn thing of what he's doing. Uh, and I think that's kind of. Uh, irritating when you're when you're a guy like Daryl Morey who I'm not as high as everybody else is on how great he is um I think he gets a lot more uh publicity and 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 hype than he actually has deserved but you know he's still a good GM and it's going to be interesting to see what he does but this this just seems like a really 
poorly constructed team. And I just can't see them. I just don't buy after this year, all these guys coming back next season. Yeah, it's really, that's where this extension, where it starts to, the perception is going to turn is because I think in a vacuum, particularly when that fourth year is non guaranteed that it's market level and, or at least not too high above market. And you're talking about, yes, there weren't a lot of teams with, cap space leading into 2020 free agency, but there also weren't a lot of good free agents. And so I think it would have been reasonable to say that Eric Gordon was a top 15, top 20 free agent to lock him down makes sense. But now when you look at his numbers in conjunction with what you're already paying the rest of the core, including two other guys that are also now on the wrong side of 30, happy belated birthday to James Harden, who turned 30 at the end of August. We're not doing that. We're not doing the happy birthday thing. We we ain't their friends. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Anyway, it's it. That's where the thing. That's where it looks super dicey to me. I will say though that there is a tendency to look at Gordon's raw shooting numbers from last season, just thirty six percent from three. The volume he takes and the distance from where he's shooting those missiles, it is huge. Probably more so than ever now with Russ there to to Houston's spacing. And when you look at this is. These are raw stats, which I won't cite too much, but there are only six guys who have hit 200 threes in each of the past three seasons. Steph, Harden, Dame, Clay, Kemba, and Eric Gordon. That's a good list to be on. And Gordon actually had some strong defensive performances for the Rockets last season. That's So when, when I look at that money, I'm like, Gordon might be worth that. You know, the next... They have him for the next now five years. Is he going to, if, if that contract guarantees in the final year, it's because he, you probably won the championship since he's probably not going to make the all-star team. And and you can live with maybe the, the final year of that being a bad look, but over the next, you know, two, three, four years that they have him, you could still see him playing. Well, it's just that when you look at it in tandem with everything else that they have going on, this becomes a really tough roster to sell unless they just obliterate everything that everyone's been saying for the entire summer. Yeah. I mean, this is it. Listen, they'll be happy if his, his contracts guaranteed. Cause you're right. It means they probably won a championship, but man, I just don't buy this team. I just, I'm not into it. I, I think Gordon's really good. I think he's very valuable for that team. I think there were times when, you know, him kind of helping to spread the floor and he's going to even need to be a better shooter this season than he was the past few, just with the fact that Russ is, is out there and probably not going to hit as many shots as they would, they would like, it's, man, I just, I'm tired of Houston, man. This is just a bad team. I'm tired of the Rockets. Bad team. My God, not a bad heat team. today. Sorry, not a bad team. I, that, that's me getting excited. I'm just not, I'm just over them. You know, I'm tired of them crying all the time. I'm, I'm tired of Harden saying they stole the MVP from me. No, uh, Giannis was better. I'm just tired of all this crap that we continue to keep giving them credit of like, okay, they're going to do this now. I mean, you couldn't make it work with Chris Paul, who was a pass first point guard. And now you're going to make it work with Russell Westbrook. Like, come on, guys. Like, What are we doing here? And oh, I've changed. Like, come on. We've we've heard these things so many times over and over again. And the thing is, like the difference between. Russ saying I've changed and Dwight Howard saying I've changed. Russ hasn't needed to change. Howard has to change if he's going to stay in this league. He's going to be waived if he doesn't, and he's going to be gone. But for Russ, it's a matter of like, if you're Russ going like, why do I need to change? I won the MVP two years ago. Like, I don't necessarily see that. So 
I just don't buy into it with these guys. I don't buy the Rockets. I don't buy their plan. And I'm just over their whole thing. I, I could do without James Harden's semi-annual. I should have been the MVP. Junkie. They all they time. cry about everything. I mean, you go back to the 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 referees after game one. Like it's just everything's just a whining thing. They're the guys that are always screaming at the umpire. Like it's just like, come on, guys, just just go play. At a certain point, you got to go win the damn game. And they don't. You know, and then there's always a reason why. There's always a complaint. There's always this, well, this happened, or they didn't call this, or this or that. You know what? You missed 27 threes in a row. My favorite Rockets thing was, I'm, I'm sure you saw this tweet back in May, where Daryl Morey tweeted out the Rockets record against the Warriors over the past three years in the playoffs compared to everyone else in the NBA, that Houston is 5-8 and eight and the rest of NBA is 5-34. and, and 34. I got such a kick out of that because, one, the Rockets have only faced the Warriors twice in the past three postseasons, and and it's still five and eight. It was just such a – it was such an odd flex, but it was it was the quintessential – that's what the Rockets do. And I'm – I get I get more of a entertainment or a kick out of it than I do actually get angry by it. But this is – that was like peak participation trophy uh, stuff there, and – like you said, the stuff with Harden, the way they campaigned him for MVP and when he didn't win it, you know, he's out there saying he should have been the MVP, which is just uh, – it's I, I don't know what you're – I go back and forth on this because players aren't going to say readily at least that, oh, he's he's better. Yeah, he deserved it. I didn't. At the same time, it's to kind of say that he didn't deserve it or like imply it is where is where you're going to lose me. Yeah, I mean just their whole thing like – they they go through all this stuff of, you know, they campaign the crap out of Harden for MVP it's to the point that they really go out of their way to discredit. I mean, they really went after Westbrook in the triple-double thing, which is also kind of comedy in the sense that now he's on the team. Um, they go so far into doing these things, and it's like, it's not necessary, man. Like, just go play the damn games and figure it out. And for Harden, you know what? Man, you need to stop worrying about MVPs. You got your MVP two, a, a year ago. It's time to move on. Like, you need to start worrying about, am I going to win a championship? Am I going to make it to the finals? Can I lead the team to the finals? You know, it's it's those things. Like, you got to get over yourself and start start worrying about playing basketball and getting things going. Stop trying to worry about your numbers and things. Oh, I'm working on a one-legged step back. Great. I hope that leads you to a championship. I mean, I, if, if it doesn't, I'm not going to give a damn about this, this one-legged step back or whatever he's working on. It's not going to mean anything to me. It's going to be useless. Um, I think that it's just – it's exhausting with this team, you know, and, you know, you have Morey coming out. I mean, it doesn't get talked about enough. Morey made a musical about numbers. <laughs> you understand? And I've heard – from somebody who has seen it, that it is God awful, but it doesn't get talked about enough. But like, that's absurd. Like that's kind of like an insanity level of obsession that you're going to go, I'm going to write a musical about. That's like me writing a, a sketch comedy about video. Like that, that. No, that's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Um, I'm just over this team. They try too hard. You know what they are? They're a bunch of tryhards at this point and I'm over it. Now you need to produce last year. You had the golden opportunity. Kevin Durant was out. All you had to do was win a game at home and force a game seven. And you couldn't even force a game seven. So like I'm over it with this team. I don't buy into them. I don't, I don't think this works. I think their whole freak out after they lost a series where they got rid of all the assistant coaches, um, didn't find a way to resign 
or extend uh, D'Antoni, and now he's in a lame duck season. Like this, this thing looks more like it's going to be a disaster than it's going to go right to me. And I and I don't care one way or the other. I just want to see it. Ha- I just want to see them play basketball. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, it's fine. You know, it's it, no skin off my back either way. But it's just the way I look at it. I just think the way they've kind of constructed this team over the past few years, kind of ill-conceived. They are going to be one of the more fascinating squads this year because it's, it feels like there's going to be no midi, middle ground. It's either going to exceed expectations and defy what everyone's been talking about this summer or it's just going to flop. That's just kind of what it feels like. Yeah, no, I, I'm i with you on that. It's 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 extremes on both levels. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it works out. And let's know, we haven't even got into the fact that their defense is going to be horrendous. Um, they year. just re-signed Nene. They're going to be fine. How old is Nene? Uh, he's got to be at least 54. 90? Yeah, he, he's up there. He That situation, I'm interested to see the money on that. They're, I'm sure the Rockets are going to look to stay out of the tax next year as well. He's He turns 37 in September. But he signed the four-year deal that they had to change because of the over 38 rule. And then he opted out of the last year of his deal last year. And, and if they give him the, the minimum, it's actually going to be less than what he opted out of. So I don't understand what was happening there, to be honest with you. But the Rockets are certainly going to be the most one of the most fascinating teams this season, just in terms of where they fall and, and how they end up playing and whether all this winds up working out for them. A few of us on this show use Harry's Razors. If you visit their website, you can check out all their different shave sets and face care products. Join the 10 million people who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Why try Harry's razors, you ask? Harry's founders were two regular guys. They're just like you and I, tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. I mean, seriously, guys, when you go to the market and you buy those razors, that's the crazy prices they're asking us to pay. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. That's ridiculous, guys. That's a huge savings for all of us. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Man, nobody else is going to do that. Nobody's taking care of you like Harry's. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted organic handle for an easy grip i can't say that word we're just going to keep rolling with it though five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave rich lathering shaving gel that will leave you smelling great and listen some of you guys we need to discuss the smelling thing you need to work on that we all need to improve on it we can all smell better this is a service announcement for everybody and a travel blade to cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know that us at the Hardwood Knox sent you help support the show. Not to beat the the Dwight Howard to L.A. drum ever harder, but I found this funny. Uh, Ramona Shelburne was on the Stephen A. Smith radio show, and then Harrison Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll transcribed what she said about why Dwight is in Los Angeles, and I thought you'd get a kick out of it. 
the reason that Dwight is a Laker is because Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the five. He doesn't want to play against the big centers in the Western Conference. He needs a big dude next to him that can eat up some of those minutes and take some of that physical pounding from Nikola Jokic or Yusuf Nurkic or any of the centers you want to name out West. Anthony Davis doesn't want to be that guy. And this is my favorite part. And so he had a big say in whether or not Dwight was going to be cast in this role for them. Anthony Davis is the reason the Lakers ended up with DeMarcus Cousins and now Dwight Howard. That's high comedy to me. Yeah, I mean, everybody's trying to piss me off this early in the morning. Like, it's crazy. Like, here's the thing. Anthony Davis doesn't want to be a five. Great. He doesn't want to be an MVP. He doesn't want to win a championship because at a certain point, that's what the Lakers are going to need. They're going to need him to step up and be the man. You know, LeBron's getting older. LeBron might be able to do it this year. He might not. But they're getting ready to hand the torch to Anthony Davis. And I don't want a guy that's afraid to bang with Nikolai Jokic. Who, you know, I mean, like, sorry, that just doesn't do it for me. I don't want a guy that needs to have somebody else who can help guard the big guy because he doesn't want to. He's afraid of Carl Anthony Towns. Is this what we're talking about? Yusuf Nurkic? Like, these are guys. He's supposed to be a top five NBA player. And this is what we're going to be worried about? He's afraid of playing against guys? That's not a top five NBA player then. And you're not going to be an MVP if you're talking like that. It's a dumb idea. And you're not going to win a championship. I'm sorry. You're a five. The way the game is played, this isn't the 90s where it's literally every night you have to play Hakeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, uh, Shaq in the late 90s where you're just getting beat up and brutalized down there. That's not the way the game's played. Who even posts up anymore? Who? Who? Like, what are we talking about? Like, why are you? The game's mostly played on the perimeter, even the big guys, even Jokic. So, like, what is he talking about? Like, it's just sad to me. I just look at it going like, man, I've said this before on this podcast. To win in this league, Especially if you're not like one of the top two guys. And I mean, that's like a LeBron, that's a KD, that's a Steph Curry. You have to sacrifice something. You have to be willing to give up something to win. It's not what are you willing to do to win. It's what are you willing to give up. And maybe willing to give up the fact that you don't want to play the five. You have to play the five at points. You know, there's going to be times. In crunch time, he's got to be in the closing lineups, the five. I'm sorry. It's just the way it works. It's the way this team is going to win games. Uh, hopefully it works out for them. Hopefully Dwight Howard kind of rejuvenates his career and and establishes himself as a roller, rebounder type guy and shot blocker. And, and if he does those three things, that's fine. If he starts demanding the ball in the post, then you're screwed. But, like, that's the stuff they, they're – they need uh, – I'm just – I'm so frustrated. I don't even know what to say anymore, Dan. The I – I won't say it again because I've said it so many times. Anthony Davis is a center and he's play center. That aside, if the Lakers close with Davis at the five, they play some of the most important minutes with Davis at the five, and if it ends up being a split where it's really not 75-25, where maybe he's just doing 50-50 or even 60-40 at center compared to power forward – I'll ultimately be fine with it. But if this is actually a preference of his to the extent that he won't close games at the five or he's going to play a monopoly of his minutes at the four, that's where it really would start to bother me. It's still, it's a concern either way because now you've, because of what happened with Cousins, his injury, maybe he's even his legal situation, depending on what happens with that. And now you're, you're, you're not tied to Dwight Howard, but if, if he ends up making the roster, you've now burned two roster spots or two two moves on 
players who play Anthony Davis's best position. And that's annoying. I, I just think in in a bubble. And so overall, though, if Davis still plays, I'll, I'll go as low as half, but up to a majority of his minutes at the five, particularly during crunch time stretches, it, it, it won't be as big of a deal to be angry about. It still is, however, like you, you just beat home. It's absurd, bonkers that he doesn't want to play the five. Well, I mean, like he's going so far out of his way to be, I'm not the five. I'm not playing the five. Like, here's the thing. And and people will come back at us and say, Tim Duncan was, you know, always claiming to be a power forward. You know, that's true. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, Tim knew that that was his best way to make the all-star team and things like that. Like, there was a lot of, like, we- weird things into that. Nowadays, in positionless basketball, you play you play almost a role. And you know what? I don't want my guys hiding hiding from having to defend the best guys. You know, Tim Duncan had no problem guarding Shaq. He, I mean, he, he would step up to that challenge. You know, I think it's a matter of like him just kind of saying things of just, and this is Ramona saying he didn't, he doesn't want to guard these guys. Him not wanting to guard these guys is a problem. That's just an absolute fact. And when teams go small against them, the Lakers are going to have to go small and he's going to have to play the five. It's just that simple. And when the Nuggets do that against them, and he's going to have to guard either Millsap or Jokic. Like, is he afraid of Millsap? Like, I, I just, I'm tired of it, man. Like, this is just stupid to me. He's, Davis is, a, he's got to be playing a five. I'm with you with the percentages. I don't mind if he starts games as a four. And over the course of times, you know, as long as they close the lineups with him as the five and him being fine with that, that's where it needs to go. And that's how they're going to win games. But if they're playing two bigs, it's going to end up being a problem for them. We can now talk about some Team USA basketball. They almost just lost to Turkey the other day in overtime. You've followed them more closely or as closely as anyone. You have great video breakdowns on Twitter. I would recommend following Mo on Twitter at MoJockeel underscore NBA. Nice little plug there. The The win did not come without a loss, though. And I'm not talking about the, the pot shots that were being taken at Team USA on Twitter. Jason Tatum is going to miss two games, at least two games, with what is being deemed a sprained left ankle. In this situation, would if you're Jason Tatum, are you playing again? Are you risking further injury after spraining your ankle? A lot of that kind of just depends on how serious the injury is and and what how poor, you know, like that's something he's got to figure out and decide, you know. Uh, Brian Winhorst almost immediately after the game said Tatum was said he felt fine and was walking normally. So, you know, I think some of it's a precaution thing. I think this is this is a team's worst nightmare. You know, every team's kind of afraid of a guy getting injured at uh, FIBA. This is this is one of those things that Mark Cuban has railed against for a long time. And I think this is one of those situations. This is where you kind of as a team, you sort of want him to not play. If you're Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens, you're like, okay, buddy, come home. Uh, you, you know, but you don't want to say that. You don't want to tell him that. Cause you know, this, this might be his only opportunity to play for team USA. I, I don't know if he makes the Olympic squad next year, depending on who's available. And you know, then, then we're talking a couple of years away from now and I'm not going to forecast into, you know, 2024 and all those things. So I think, that it, you you don't want to take that opportunity from him. So I think it's a matter. It's up to him. You know, he knows how serious it is. So 
Um, if he thinks it's something he can, he's willing to give it a go, he's more than happy to. They're going to need him. Uh, but I, I, I think it's one of those things you just sort of let the player decide. It's Yeah, and the people that say he should just shut it down, I understand that there's the impulse because of all the money these guys make that they have to just structure their entire lives around their job. But playing for Team USA means something to most of these players that have made the rosters. I'd argue all of them when you actually look at the roster. No one was really bumped by you know, a superstar and there, there were a bunch of other guys that pulled out and that was the common theme as they were building the roster. So the fact that he's still there, it would lead me to believe that he enjoys it. He wants to do it, that this means something to him. This opportunity is something he views, whether as useful to his NBA career, or just as a great experience, that stuff has to matter too. And if he's not going to be playing basketball with team USA, he's going to be running pickup or something. And he could get injured there too. We've seen that happen before just because we get a kick out of these empty gym videos doesn't mean that uh, guys aren't playing in you know real actual pickup games and, and injuries can happen there too if it was a serious injury now on the other hand that's when you get to start talking into whether he should shut it down but if it's really just a sprained ankle and it's going to take a few days for swelling or whatever to go down I don't think we need to make a, a huge deal out of it yeah and listen I was at team USA practice when they were here in LA and, and, and watched them in the, the Spain game, you know, these guys care. I don't want to anybody to mince words. All these guys care. They all are excited to be part of team USA. And there's a pride level that comes to it. And it's one of those things too, is you don't want to be the team that loses. You don't want to be the team that kind of uh, gives up the title, you know, and loses to a national team and uh, loses to Serbia or whatever in, in these tournaments. So, I think this is a a, a prize on the line for these guys. So I I definitely feel it and felt it when I was there and saw it. You know, these guys all care and take pride into this. And, you know, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the game. I know you probably didn't watch much of it, but just sort of everybody freaking out. You know, I said this going into this tournament. This is like our C, maybe even our D team. Like to expect the U.S. to come in and blow everybody out like we're used to is not going to happen. Everybody has to adjust their expectations here. They're going to be in a lot of dogfights. This is not going to be the only close game they're going to be in in this tournament. They have issues. They're they're a little bit small. They they depend really kind of their only guy that I trust as a go-to guy is Kemba Walker. Um, Mitchell to a degree, but he didn't even look all that great uh, in that game last night or the other, whatever, it's a different time zone. Um, the, the whole thing is this is going to be a challenging tournament for the team USA. I don't know if they win or not, but I'm also a little bit skeptical. Everybody's going nuts about Serbia. Ah, Serbia, this Serbia, that, yo, Serbia played the Philippines, dude. Like they're going nuts. They beat the Philippines by a hundred. Guess what? You're supposed to beat the Philippines by a hundred or a thousand or whatever, you know, and Jokic put up big numbers in 20 minutes. You know why? Cause it was a guy my size guarding him. Like, let's just be honest here. Like, what are we talking about? Like we're going nuts about it, you know, and, and railing about it. They're the U S is playing actually tough teams. They're playing teams that add actual NBA players on their roster. Um, really the only, a uh, team that has somewhat challenged Serbia in the, the tournament so far is Italy. That game just happened. 
and they had Marco Bellinelli. That was their biggest challenge in their group. Like, come on, guys. Like, no, let's. Are you like throwing shade at Gallo? I'm sorry. Uh, I did. I forgot about. Uh, 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 I meant Marco Bellinelli, and I said Gallinari. Um, I don't even know if Gallinari's playing. I meant Bellinelli. This is what happens. Like, I'm really tired these days. Guys. No, you meant. I thought you meant Gallinari. He was playing. Yeah, no, I meant Bellinelli though. But okay, yeah, Gallinari and Bellinelli. Like, okay. Oh wow, Gallinelli Bard. I didn't watch the game yet. I've just been looking at the box scores, um, and not close enough to realize that Gallinari had 26 tonight. But that's been their biggest challenge. They won that game by 15. And that's not to say Serbia is not a good team. But let's pump the brakes here on like, oh my God, they're unbeatable. Like everybody needs to just chill out a bit. This is going to be the case with Team USA. There, what's the biggest concern for Team USA that you have? Defense. Really? I don't think that was I, everyone made that out to be their calling card entering the tournament. No, I'm a little bit more concerned about it. I I didn't see them kind of making rotations well on the weak side. I felt like they got beat. Uh, I think they can be pretty good one on one, but I don't think they do a great job team defense wise. Uh, that's kind of been my bigger concern. I know everybody's thinking that's their calling card. Uh, I, I I think that's kind of where I I'm worried about them. You know they. They're picking roll coverage. You know, they allow for a lot of popping. And when you play a team like Serbia, especially with Jokic, that's really where it's going to hurt you. And he's such a good passing big that when you overreact to him popping, he's going to find the next guy. So it's it's going to be interesting in that regards. But really, I, I, I'm more concerned about their defense than anything else. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, be it Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Hardwood Knox listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customers. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE, B-L-U-E. That's ShipStation.com and enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Miles Turner did get killed on a few switches down the stretch of that game, too, which was mega sloppy, but 93-92 over Turkey going into overtime. I actually think, I don't know what the word would be, but I do think this roster makes for a more entertaining World Cup tournament because maybe there will be games like the one against Turkey where it's close, and I find those to just have more entertainment value than the 40 point drubbings that we're used to team USA sort of handing out. Absolutely. Like this is going to be more fun because it's, it's, it's a level playing field. We have an actual chance of losing this tournament. Like, I don't think we're, we're a lock to win it. You know, I don't, I'm not going to go. I expect us to lose or anything like that. I, I think we'll win the tournament, but I'm not, but we're not a lock like years before where, Man, if we had lost in Brazil, come on, man. That that would have been the upset of upsets. You know, we we're not 
this, this, just this squad isn't that dominant. They just don't even have, I mean, like Kemba Walker is the only all NBA guy on that roster. Right. Uh, you know, uh, a couple of all-stars, but really it's Chris Middleton. And, you know, it, it's, it's not like guys that really sort of blow you away. So it's not a, such a massive talent advantage as we've had in the past. So, you know, it is going to make for a more fun tournament. And when we get into the knockout stages, it is going to get more interesting. I mean, they're going to beat the crap out of Japan tomorrow and everybody's going to go like, Oh, okay. We're, we're excited. Yeah. I go like, but Japan's not good. So you're supposed to do that. Um, it's when you get to the knockout stages and you're playing the Australia's, the Serbia's, the Lithuania's, the Turkey's, that's where it gets interesting. Who has impressed you most on Team USA, and why is it Joe Harris? Actually, it's funny you make that joke, but it is kind of been Joe Harris. Uh, maybe part of it's just I didn't know that much about him, but you know he makes a few interesting, like tough plays. Like last night's game, you know, there in the third quarter, he he really fought for an offensive rebound, managed to stay inbounds, and then just turned and got an and one. And I was like, oh wow, it's a pretty tough play. In the fourth quarter, really tight game, you know, he comes up with a uh, a steal in the passing lane and takes it coast to coast for a layup. Like, he just kind of makes smart plays. I mean, granted, the kid can shoot the piss out of the ball. Uh, made a big three in the overtime as well. So, you know, I've been pretty impressed with him. And another guy I was really impressed with was Miles Turner, actually, despite having problems on the switches. The stuff I've seen from him is, you know, he has a real good mind, really, in screening. You know, he sets hard, solid screens. He has a smart sense of, you know, oh, this if I set this screen, it's going to open that guy up. Well, it doesn't seem like it's part of the play, just sort of something he he did on his own, kind of making that read. And he sets a screen, nails the guy. And that's how Joe Harris got a wide open three. Uh, I've been pretty impressed with with those guys. And each guy has kind of had little little things here and there. I think Tatum's shown an improvement in playmaking. Uh, it's not all the way there. There's still passes he misses and opportunities he misses, but he's getting better. So I've seen some oppor- some stuff there where I've been like, oh, okay, that's getting better. I, I, I mean, those, I guess, were the guys just off the top of my head. Who becomes the most important player in, in Jason Tatum's absence? Not overall, because I think it's Kemba overall, but who, who now all of a sudden has to absorb more responsibility? Is it Chris Middleton? Is it maybe we'll see Jalen Brown get more minutes? I think it's I think it's those both of those guys. I think those two guys are the guys that have to step up. Uh, Middleton's had a pretty much like a quiet Team USA run. Brown's minutes haven't been really consistent, but I think you know he's going to get more more now that Tatum's out for for a few games. So I think those are the guys that really kind of have to capitalize on it. And I also think they can use. There are times where. Pop puts out a lineup, and I'm like, man, I don't know who's going to score on this lineup. I think yesterday he had a lineup of, you know, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, and I can't even remember who the fifth guy was, but I just remember thinking in my head, like, man, that's pretty rough lineup considering the talent you have on your bench. Like, maybe, you know, you might see some more staggering a little bit with, you know, having Mitchell go to the bench early and then come back in, you know, when Kemba goes to the bench to to sort of alleviate things and, and, and continue to provide a more of a scoring threat. So there are times where I think there might be some lineup changes coming as well. If team USA doesn't win the tournament, which team is it? Is it Serbia? I mean, it's, it's probably Serbia. 
I, I got to look actually, it, it's hard. You know, the thing is that's hard is we don't even know the brackets until the group stages are set up. So it could that's end true. up being a situation where team USA and Serbia are going to be playing in the, uh, 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 semifinals before before the finals or whatever. So it's kind of hard. We got to wait to see how how the the brackets shake up. But you know the teams that I think that have legitimate chances. You know, obviously Team USA and Serbia. I think you got to kind of keep your eye on Turkey. It's going to be interesting for Turkey. That was a gut punch. I mean, listen, they blew four free throws. Yeah, I was about to say if they would have made their free throws, we're talking about a Team USA loss. Yeah, and you know they have a chance. You know. Like they got to get over that and get ready to play the Czech Republic because they need a win to to move on. So, you know, they if they can get over that loss, I think they have some talented guys. I mean, Chetty Osman looked really good. Furkan Korkmaz too. Korkmaz, who I've I've told you on this podcast before, I think he can have a big year for Philly. Um, I, I, I they have to use him a little bit more but i think he has a chance to have a big year i think Ilyasova had a great game the thing about osman was that he didn't shoot the ball well until late but he kind of continued to rebound continued to play and continued to hustle and wasn't just like chucking and like i'm gonna take over till i start making shots and i think they're an interesting team i think you got to watch for the australians they're a very interesting team you have the old guards in the brazil and spain and and argentina who have a couple of those older guys still playing who can kind of get a little frisky, but I think those are, those are the teams I'd probably watch for overall. Well, that'll do it for us. Cover a little team USA, do a little news, catch up. Lots of good stuff in this podcast. More talk about Anthony Davis, not wanting to to play the five until next time. I'm going to leave you with the shout out to Kyle Anderson, skip over Andy's favorite shout out because he's not here and doesn't love you as much as we do. And I'm going to let Mo shout it out to I'm going to give a shout-out to Jalen Brunson. And if you love me, guys, you're going to give us a five-star review on iTunes. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet essentials. One device included.